Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. And I want to encourage us to not just read scripture you know, in, a, in a 10 minute, you know, like we sometimes pray as well. You know, just, Lord, hello, help me. Thank you, I need to go. You know, it's, it's fantastic if we spend some proper time going over the same scripture. Um, the scripture we're going to deal with today, I probably read about a hundred times. And it's amazing as you read over it how certain things come to life. So I really want to encourage you to just now and then take a piece of scripture that really you know, maybe stands out for you and spend a week just reading that scripture over and over and over again. And you know, read it from different angles, read different translations, and trust the Lord to come and show you something special in there. The last thing I want to say, it's really amazing to see when we read Scripture, wherever we find ourselves in Scripture, that if you really look hard enough, and sometimes it's quite obvious, that all Scripture points to Jesus. Everything in Scripture, wherever you read it, will point to Jesus. And what's amazing about that is that, you know, it's not just one person that wrote the Bible. It's a lot of people. Um, And it, it almost testifies that you know, what we're reading is really uh, Holy Spirit-inspired. It's something divine. It's not just a bunch of words. Um, and that's why I can be quite comfortable this morning here just talking about Scripture and allowing that Scripture to, to speak to us. So let's uh, read Luke 12. Uh, we read it this week in, in our small groups as well. I'm going to start from... from Luke 12, verse 13. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man does not exist, consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. I don't know if any one of you put in some petrol this week. Um, It's quite frightening. And I actually heard in the week on radio that the petrol price will go up even more, more than a rand per liter. And if you look at your medical aid bills, you know, it always goes up by 10%. If you have medical aid, if you're lucky enough to have medical aid, it goes up by 10%. Now, I don't know about you guys, but in ESCOM, we don't get 10% increases. Um, And if you go and you buy a bag of groceries, that bag is know, like 500 rand and you've got one bag. It's scary. 
And, and for some of us, it's easier than for others. But the point is, all of us, we realize that, that the bit that we earn is, is, is chipping away. By the time you have to you know, just do, do life, then you've, you've got nothing left. Um, and as I've mentioned, for some of us, it's a little bit easier. For others, it can be really tough. And then we find ourselves, if you drive down the road, there's all these placards and posters you know, about the elections. And, and things are uncertain. If you listen to the, the commissions, it's scary. Times are, are quite tough at the moment. I haven't been this long on the earth, but you know, it really hasn't gone better. It feels like it's going downwards. And you know, working at ESCOM also, I notice that people are scared. People don't know if they're going to have a job tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. Some people probably feel like, yeah, it's about time. Um, <laughs> um, but in general, I think South Africans and maybe globally, people are scared because there's so much uncertainty in life. You know, bills get more, uncertainty is more. Um, and what do we do? We tend to just hold on a bit tighter. You know, our fists clench a bit and our hands become whiter or whatever color it is. Okay? We, we want to hold on to something. We want... We, we want to have control of our lives. And, and what I've been asking myself is, why do we get so scared? And we know what the Bible says, but why do we get so scared? There's obvious answers to that, but maybe if we think a bit longer about it, you know, it the question is deeper than just, because I, I don't know if I'm going to have my job tomorrow. Okay, so what? Why is that scary for you? And I, I hope as we delve in today, some of those answers will be answered and we'll find actually you know, a faith in God rather than you know, fear in, in, in what we don't know. So let's just pray before, before we go any further. Lord, thank you that, you know, God, that we can come to you and find, find a God that is in control, even though our lives are maybe completely out of control. Lord, we can come to you with a faith and lay aside the fears, even though it's scary. Even that is scary for us, Lord. I pray that the word will speak to us and, and, and cut like a sword this morning. And that we walk out here, God, just knowing that, that you are in control. That you are the one that has created this world. In Jesus' name. All right, let's go back to verse 13. So someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or not between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So I want to talk a little bit about this thing called greed. Um, 
I guess we can talk for a long time about this, but I, I'm just hoping to stir our hearts. So I've got a few ideas. The first is, go to the next slide, just the outline today is the deception of greed and the process of greed and the purpose of money. You shouldn't only focus on the negative. But <clears throat> there's a lot about, or there's a lot to say about what Jesus is doing in this moment in verse 15. Because he says, watch out and beware. Now, Henny just pointed it out to me, but I actually went in and, and tried to find other warnings of Jesus in the Gospels. And the only thing that I could find, if you can find anything else, let me know. The only thing I could find was Jesus warns about the leaven of the Pharisees. He warns about false prophets. He warns about salvation, the second coming, you know, being ready. And then he says there will be wars, and he warns about that. But anything else I couldn't find except this. Jesus warns against all types of greed, covetousness. Why? Why does Jesus, Jesus find it important enough to stop everything and say, be warned? And I think there's, there's a few things that we can find in the scripture here. The first thing is that deception hides itself quite well. Right? If, you, if you ask yourself, are you greedy? Ask yourself, are you greedy? Right? <laughs> I think if you say yes, then you can probably go home already. Um, but most of us would probably say, I think I'm okay. I, I like stuff, but I mean, compared to some people I know, it's not that bad. And, you know, to be honest, it's quite difficult to identify greed in our own lives. Do you agree? Okay, how do you, how do you know if you're greedy? You need to give a lot of stuff away. You have very little. What, what is the measure? And, you know, if you look at this, this scripture here in, in verse 15 again, Jesus first replies to the man himself, and then he turns to the people. He says, um, he says Jesus replied, and he says, Man, you appointed me a, a judge. Who appointed? And then he says, Then he said to them, so he turns probably to the crowd and he says, okay, as a crowd, please note, be warned. Um, beware of all kinds of greed. And, and, I, and I think Jesus is implying a community, we need to, to stand together against this. This is not an individual thing. This is not something that you deal with yourself um, on your own. It's much easier to identify greed in other people's lives. You're a lot more objective standing from the outside than looking into the inside. So as a community, we need to stand together and hold people accountable and hold our friends and our family accountable. All right? We actually need each other in this. This is not something we're going to do on our own. The second thing is that deception promises life but it's a false promise. It deceives us in thinking that it can give us life. The scripture says, 
Um, actually, I want to read just here. In, in the Amplified Version, it says, For a man's life does not consist from possessing overflowing abundance. Our lives does not consist of having an extreme amount of things. But greed, when it captures our hearts, deceives us in thinking that if I have enough, then actually I'll, I'll have it all. I, um, I can think of so many stories in my own life, but I thought to myself, how many times do I find myself thinking, Yo, if, I only, if I only had that, you know, I have this now, you know, if I had that next model, if I just, no, I can think of so many things. Uh, there's two things that come to mind in my life. The first is I, uh, I like golf. Most of you probably know that. I l- love spending time actually just outdoors, and golf is my way to kind of get there. Um, but many times you would hit, hit a shot and you would think, you know, if I just had that expensive driver, this nonsense will never, n- never happen. <laughs> now, if you play golf, you know that's an absolute lie, okay? Because that driver can't fix your swing, okay? The driver just accentuates or, you know, hides the bad swing, but it can't fix it, all right? But when you walk through the pro shop and you see it, it speaks to you. Luckily, they make it so expensive that I actually just can't even consider it. Um, the second one, and, and this is more, you know, more close, is that we moved into a new place Sunday last last week, and I got in there, and it, you know, I had this really great expectation about just moving in and settling in, and you know, it'd be quiet and there's a lot of trees around it and when I went to visit it to just kind of decide with my wife whether we want to take it or not I heard a lot of birds and and I love obviously being outdoors so you know it just spoke to me and I was like ah this is really nice so I got there moved everything in and you know everybody left and I opened up the sliding door and there was this noise it was a lot of cars it felt like they were driving in front of my it was the highway like since when can I hear the highway from here it's really loud and there was the fear that gripped my heart suddenly I was like no I'm going to have to live here now for a long time and I'm going to have to listen to this nonsense and I became anxious spent a lot of money and now I have to listen to this and for three days, it, it, you know, when I got into the house, it doesn't matter whether it was soft or loud, it was all I could hear. And I remember actually sitting with Henny there, and you know, he was talking, and we were talking, and I was hearing this buzzing noise in my ears. And uh, Wednesday night after school group, talking about this, I just felt a little saying, but, but you have this expectation of finding peace and calm in this house and it's wrong you're not going to find it that way God is not going to satisfy oh, this house is not going to satisfy this need for finding peace and calm 
And I asked my wife to pray with me, and it was, it was gone. Like, the next morning I woke up, it was still there, but I couldn't hear it. It wasn't that bad, actually. It was actually not bad at all. But the problem is that I had this expectation of what this house is going to give me. It, it, it would give me peace. It would give me rest. And it didn't. And there's many things in our lives like that. We can't get it. We get it. We're like, okay, actually, still have that little hole there. The last thing that, that I, I see, and it's quite obvious, is that when we allow greed to grip our hearts, we end up deceiving ourselves. Let's read verse 16. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Okay, so who produced the crop? The ground. Okay. Now some will say, yeah, but the guy did a lot of work in there. Okay, but if you're a farmer, and I've got a friend that, that uh, grew up on a farm, and he explained the other day to me how it works on a cornfield or mealy field, you, you are quite dependent on the weather. Actually, almost everything about it is dependent on the weather. If it gets too cold too quickly, it dies. If it doesn't rain at the right time, it dies. If it doesn't rain enough, it doesn't grow enough, and your crop is extremely small. The other thing in verse 19, says, And I will say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. All right? How many of you know how long you're going to live? None of us. How many of you can confidently tell me that tomorrow morning you can't? You don't know what's going to happen when you walk out here. But this guy has got to the point where he assumes that he's got a long life ahead of him. And we say, yeah, we know that. But what do we think? We can easily say, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I know, I'm going to die at any given time in the next 40 years, 50 years. But how, how does our decisions align with that? Does it align with that thinking? Or do we actually, in the back of our mind, plan for a 40-year life or a 50 or a 100-year life like me? Um, when you read this parable, you must go and count the amount of times I, me, and myself is used. It's... It's a little bit more than any other word in that part. There's a, there's a story to tell there. It's, it's amazing how quickly we forget when things go well that it's actually God that's still involved in this. We deceive ourselves to think that we've made it happen. We are fine. Everything is perfect. But it's not. We are not in control of our lives, even if you think so. And we're quick to forget when it goes well. But when it goes wrong, we run to God. And suddenly we remember that God is actually the one that has everything in control. I want to read a scripture in, in Deuteronomy. I practiced that but failed. Um, chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 17. Verse 17. 
You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Let's not forget that. If we allow greed though, we can find ourselves in a place where we start to think that we are the ones that make these things happen. So I want to move on. Mention the process of greed. So how does this work a little bit? Because, because this comes closer to home. And I, I thought to myself, you know, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, it applies to our lives. Okay? Whether you have extreme amount of things, whether you have absolutely nothing, you can still fall in this trap. Because it actually has nothing to do with the, the amount you have, the number. And when I read the story, and the more I read it, I, I realized I find myself there quite a bit. I want us to just go through that section from, from when, he, when he starts talking, verse 16. Or let's start from uh, verse 17. He said to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Now, you know, just to stop there, he says, I have no place to store my crops. But then he goes and he says, I'll burn or break down the ones I have. So actually, he, he does have space. He's got a barn. But, but in the beginning already, he's thinking, oh, I've, got, I've got absolutely no space. Okay, that doesn't, that doesn't really make sense, but okay, let's entertain story. Um, so he'll tear down the barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store, store all my grain and my goods. Okay, so something has just been added. Okay, it used to be crops, now it's crops and stuff. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take, take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. There's a, there's a process here, and it, it's maybe a bit like sin. You know, we start to think about it. We entertain the thought. It says, he says in the beginning, and he thought to himself. Then it goes on, he said, and then he started planning. So you think about it, then you start talking about it, you entertain it, you sit around a table, you talk with your friends, you entertain the idea, and then you start Googling gum tree or if you have enough you go to the actual site okay and then you thought okay it's not that bad actually I, can, I think I can make it work right and before you have it it's delivered all right and then we haven't even stopped to ask ourselves why do we want it a lot of the times, it's just a think, talk, do, boom. Ah, we have, I have it. And what I, what I find in my life is that it keeps on repeating itself. So I get something, and then I'm like, okay, I have it now. Ah, I wonder, wouldn't it be great if I 
and they had that new model. You just got it. thing. And it's subtle. It can be small things. It doesn't have to be cars and houses. We don't all kind of. We can't all afford a new car every year. I think maybe most of us, or even none of us, can do that. But it can be in the small things. Now, how how often do we find ourselves sitting in our jobs, thinking, oh, you know, if I only had that you know, that job there, and you start LinkedIn. Ah, there's a there's a nice option in, in Dubai. Pays really well. Oh, let's just send it. We'll see what happens. You know? All right. And and the problem with this is it's this. This bottomless pit that just keeps on cycling and repeating itself over and over and over in our lives. And it starts with small things. But the question I want to ask us is, what was this guy's real need? What did he really want? Did he, did he, did he want storage space? Was that his real need? Did he, you know, will he get to next year and say, oh, I need some more storage space. So he'll just build it and break it down again. I, I, think, I think the scripture reveals what he was really looking, up, looking for. He wasn't looking for storage space. He was looking for a peaceful soul. He was looking for comfort in his soul. The problem is that barn is not going to do anything to that. Because next year he's going to have a terrible year. And he's got this massive barn. And he's got nothing to fill it with. Or the opposite. He's got even more crops. And then what? Break it down and build a bigger one. After a while, you don't have any more agricultural space. You've just got a big barn. And we, we should ask ourselves, isn't that, isn't that where we find ourselves a lot of the time? Are we looking for the stuff or are we actually looking for something else? Peace and contentment. You're looking for for actual life of abundance. How does that life and abundance look in your life? Are you pursuing, you know, building a bigger barn every year? Or do you actually pursue, pursue real life? And, you know, if you look at this story, he, he actually lived a life completely without God. There's no mention of God in his decision-making process, and all his decisions, his motivations, were completely selfishly most motivated. And, and ultimately, whatever we look towards, if, we, if our attention, I'll call it our inner attention, is captured by something else than God, that becomes our God. That becomes the idol in our lives that will grip our hearts. And this is what happened to this guy. He, he was so captivated by his big crop that he just built a bigger one. And then, then in the end, he realizes, oh, this is going to give me what I want. I can now, be, can now have a merry life. But it, it's, not, it's not so simple. So let's be wary of this process of greed where we allow this thought to go into an action, to talking about it, and then actually doing it. Okay, stop it early. 
Okay, because it's difficult to stop it in the googling phase. Ask me. <laughs> okay. Luckily, luckily, sometimes what I want is too expensive. So then I, it's like, okay, well. The problem is then I try to find something else to fill that space. Something cheaper. We'll find it on Gumtree. Second version. Go and buy the new Ilux. So let's see what I can get with 100,000 Ks or 200,000 Ks. And you will find a way to make it work. Because you're not really addressing the problem. Okay, so if, if Jesus warns against greed, and it's dangerous, and we know it because Jesus said so, what should we do then? Should we just you know, stay away from all kinds of money and you know, just live a life in the wilderness like John and eat honey? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can keep your clothes on. Um, I think the question we have to ask ourselves when we, when we say this is that how much is enough to satisfy this greed in our lives? Because money might not be able to do that. The other thing is that Christians like to ask, rather, is how much should we give to stay away from greed? I know I shouldn't be greedy, so how much should I give? Percentage-wise, is it net or gross? Okay, it's like asking, "How far is too far?" You're in a relationship, and somebody asks you, "You know, is is that too far?" Okay, how much is how much should I give? How much should we give, so that we don't become greedy? Is that the solution to it? I think it it, it can help for a little while. I don't think it's a solution. So what does the parable say? Um, well, the first thing that I see is that God calls him a fool. The way that he went about this whole thing, God says, you're a fool. He says, you should be reached towards me. All right, so how does that relate to us? Um, there's a guy, Miles Monroe, and I'm paraphrasing him. But he says, if you misunderstand the purpose of something, in this case money maybe, it will end up in abuse. We can see that in many examples in our lives. Jobs. If you don't understand what the purpose is, we see people sleeping there. Right? Marriage. Six. If we don't understand the purpose, it will most probably end up in abuse. And we have to ask ourselves, is money the end? Is that what we, we, we pursue? Is that the end? When we get there, then it's the end? Probably knowing what the answer is going to be. Or is it the means to an end? And we know what the answer is in that case. But let's just translate it to our world. Do you desire comfortable and a happy and a perfect life? Do you? Do you want the perfect job? Okay, but is that the end? What if you get it? We know many people that end up right at the top. 
And then there's many quotes saying, if only everybody could see what I see from the top. Right? So ask yourself right now, what is it in your life that you, you constantly want? Sitting at work and looking at that manager and saying, oh, man, I wish I could have his job. He's doing nothing all day long. I'm slaving here for half the money. Look at my house. I've got such filthy couches. If I had couches like that, imagine the amount of people I can invite. If my house was just big enough, I could also invite people. Nobody wants to drive in my car. You know, if I had a if I just had a car with some leather seats, you know, imagine the amount of people I can bring to God. You know, drive them to church. <laughs> we laugh, but that's the way we sometimes argue. What's wrong with your car? Why can't you drive them to church? They're not gonna go anyway. I can't go to that party because I don't have the kind of clothes. You know. If I had those clothes, you must see me. I'll be the world's biggest evangelist. And I'm, I'm using stupid examples because sometimes we, we do it. We use all kinds of excuses because if, if I only had that then, then I would start. And then sometimes we buy the techies, the Nikes or the whatever, and then we don't run. Now, we think if we only had the shoes, then I would become a marathon athlete. Nope. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> the thing is, we have to ask ourselves, what are we, what are we pursuing? And is money that, that end? Possessions? We, we sometimes talk about money, but let's talk about possessions. That's maybe a, something that we can relate to. I love that in the beginning, again, that scripture just says, Possessing overflowing abundance. Life does not consist in, the possess, in possessing overflowing abundance. So I want us to just go to the last part of the scripture, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Now if you... If you look at the, the actual correct translation there, and there's some translations that show that, um, it, it mentions they will demand your life of you. So who has a claim on your life? God does. Only He does. But who does in the plural form? Or God the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And, and the thing is, if you don't know it yet, you have a debt to pay still in your life. There will come a day where you will have to pay a debt, and I don't think your money is going to help you. Actually, I know that. Maybe you know that as well. It's funny how our decisions in this, this life doesn't really match that, though. And what is, what is amazing when I started looking at this is that although this trinity has a legitimate claim on your life, 
What is the solution to that claim? The solution is that God sends His Son, the one that has a claim on your life, to be the solution to the debt of your life. I want us to read 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. I love it. It's so good. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that through His poverty, so that you through His poverty might become rich. Yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. Now, God sent His Son so that we can be free from this cycle, this process of greed. Because we can try and master this. We can try and, you know, fight against it. But if we don't involve God in, into this situation, we will just fail. And Jesus made it possible. If you look at everything that money promises, you know, in this life, a full life, an eternal life, a life of abundance, then money makes a false promise, but God actually, He can fulfill that promise. Okay, the expectations you have, the needs you think you have, God is the one that can meet those needs, and He can exceed them. I didn't even mention my, my title, but it's the golden question. And I want to ask you the golden question, I believe. And what I know it's not is not how much should I give. I think it's rather that we should ask ourselves, are we rich towards God? Because asking how much should I give I don't, I don't think that's the right question. It's like asking how far is too far. And I don't think the answer looks exactly the same for every person. You know, how does that relate to us in practical way in our lives? But we have to ask ourselves, are we reached towards God? I want to come back to the guy, just to end off, at the beginning. This guy asked Jesus about the inheritance. And then Jesus gives him a funny answer in a way. He says, I'm not your judge. Then he turns to everybody and says, beware of greed. Why? What if this guy had a legitimate claim? I I believe that this guy was standing in front of Jesus and he, he, he missed the point. Jesus was standing in front of him and he wanted money. Jesus came down from heaven to earth. He was standing in front of him and he missed it. He was pursuing something else and he missed the opportunity to, like that lady um, at the well, to get living water. Get something that will satisfy into eternity. 
And it's scary because I think Jesus is standing in front of us every day. He wants a relationship with us. And what do we do? We pursue a lot of stuff, a lot of things. Our, Our real need in this world is not stuff. Jesus says it, but we know it, actually, because we experience that. We go through that think, talk, do, and it repeats itself over and over. And if you think really hard, it, it can happen in the small things. You got that job. Yeah, and it was a month. Honeymoon was done. There's a new manager that you don't like. This world cannot give us what we really want, and what we really want is is eternal life. We want something that will sustain us in this life and the next. For the first time, looking at it like this, John 10 verse 10 kind of, you know, I don't want to say made sense, but it just became more powerful to me. Because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the end of this. That's the end if our purpose and our pursuit is just stuff. But Jesus comes and he gives life and life in abundance. That is the truth. The truth is not that stuff can give you a life of abundance. And I must be honest, sometimes standing at the bottom looking up to those guys, it looks quite enticing, eh? Look at that Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos. He's got quite a bit of money. What happened to his marriage? What did he gain? And what did he lose? Does he have overflowing abundance? I don't know. I don't think his answer at this point in time would be, I'm just, I'm just having a merry life. It's just so good. Just divorced his wife this week. And he had to give, I think, one half a billion rand away to his wife. I bet if you ask him now, he will give two billion or five billion to keep her. Even though he doesn't feel like that maybe on the outside right now. If you ask him two years into the future, how much will you spend to save your marriage? I think you'll spend quite a bit. Problem is that's not going to help him. None of that. Not one rand of his most richest guy in the world money is going to save his marriage right now. We just cannot outgive God. We cannot match His generosity. He gave His Son, and we're going to always fall short. We're always going to feel like we, we need to give more. So let's rather imitate Jesus and be generous you know, as a place from the heart and ask ourselves, Jesus, where do you want to use me with what you've given me right now? Rather than pursuing stuff and possessions, let's, let's stop asking how much should I give, how much of my time is enough, how much, how much, how much. Let's just ask ourselves, Jesus, what have you given me right now? Let's be reached towards God by asking, God, what, do you, what have you given me? What, what have you placed in my hands? And how can I 
serve you? How do you want to use me where I am right now? And, and then pursue relationship with God. Because, and this is, this is just something that, that's become so precious to me while you know, preparing here, is that, that we, we don't really believe that God's presence is our ultimate reward. If we really believed it, if we really knew it in every bit, every bit of our hearts, it would be much easier to deal with this filthy greed thing, this desire for possessions. And because we will find that in relationship with God, being in His presence is so rewarding, it's so lasting, it's so satisfying, it's so fulfilling that there's just nothing that can match it. We will stop asking, how much should I give? Because it will just overflow. Whatever we have, it will be easy to give because we're receiving so much. You've already received everything you need. So let's just stand. I want us to, to ask ourselves, is God really our greatest reward? Is God in relationship with Him the pull of great price in our lives? Are we rich towards God or are we pursuing stuff which will not fulfill us, which will not fill this void that we try to fill with other stuff? I don't believe that if you believe there's something in your heart that you need to fix, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fixed by just putting in a mighty effort, putting in a mighty generous effort. If this thing is gripping your heart, then there's only one way to, I believe, to get rid of it, and it's to fill it with something else. It's pursuing a relationship with God and accepting what God has given and, and allowing that to, to transform your heart so that we find value in the presence of God and finding value in the pursuing relationship with God. Would you sell everything you have for that one thing? Because having only God is still in heaven, heavenly accounting a lot more valuable than having everything in this world. I just want to give an opportunity for a few people. There's a few groups of people that I just, just felt in my heart while preparing and, and praying even this morning that you know, some of us just be asking what are you talking about I love my car but there's something in your heart that knows that that car's not going to satisfy that need 
And Jesus has given his life for you so that you can have abundance of life right now. Not just in eternity, but right now. It will cost you something. But Jesus gave his life. And then the second, second group of people, if fear is gripping your heart and you just feel like you can't let go, There's just so many things that, that you're aware of in your life that, that's at the brink, at the end. And it just freaks you out to think about letting go. Giving some, something away, even giving of your time. I want you to also respond. And then a third group of people, if you have a desire to just value and find peace in the presence of God. If you want to just, if you're struggling to push into the presence of God, I want to invite you as well to respond this morning. God is always ready to meet us. And if you just feel like you just can't get into the presence of God, it's just like an empty space for you. I want you to respond as well. Amen. I'm going to pray for us uh, um, in closing in a, in a moment, but I, I really think we should heed this, this warning. It's interesting. Jesus says, beware of greed. He never says, Be, beware of adultery. Because you know when you're committing adultery, but like uh, Orchid was saying, you don't always know when, you com- when you're being greedy. Um, and, and notice that he doesn't, he doesn't say, he doesn't rebuke this man. God doesn't rebuke this man in the parable for being rich. God doesn't have a problem with, you know, being rich. Abraham was rich. Many people in the Bible were rich. David, Solomon were rich. But God rebukes him for not being rich towards God. The purpose of money is not to serve us. The purpose of our money is to serve God. And I just want you to write there where you you are. Just close your eyes and say to God, God, I want to discard the deception that my money is to make me happy and comfortable and content. And I want to embrace the truth that my money and my possessions is to serve your purposes. Just in your own words, just say that. Yes, Lord, we just consecrate ourselves and everything we have to you, Lord. We belong to you. Your word says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. We all belong to you. And we pray, Lord, that that we will serve your purpose, Lord, that we will be rich towards you as you have been rich towards us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we'll make sure that money is not an end in itself but a means to an end, and that that end is serving you in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray your blessing over all your people, Lord God, and I pray that, Lord, every false hope, Lord, of what money or any other idol can provide will fall to the ground and all of our hope will be in you and you alone in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good For more information and sermons please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com